Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more of our programmes, visit brumradio.com. Pete, do you want to tell me what you had for breakfast? Um, squashies. <laughs> Keith, do you want to tell me what you had for breakfast? I had three Weetabix. Three Weetabix? Yeah, two's not enough. <laughs> yeah, but then you create this whole like Weetabix weirdness of like you haven't got enough in the box. Yeah, but when I get down to the Weetabix that I haven't got enough of, I then add like the dust cardboard, from the cardboard box. flakes or granola shards. Weetabix dust is the bane of my life. <laughs> Kids get it out. And they'll have breakfast, and I'm happy to have them have Weetabix as opposed to Frosties. So, but then the dust. See, my kids, have, if they made, have, they, they have the little made, to, the, good, the little ones, the chocolate ones. Oh, yeah. And like half a packet of that is crap. And they won't touch that. They'll only eat solid ones. I'm going to start making them myself out of <laughs> So if they made the wall out of weak bit dust and milk, then that wouldn't have gone down. With exactly. The podcast, it's time for the podcast. It's Geeky Brummy podcast time. That was terrible. It'll do. Hi, Keith. Good podcast to you, Ryan. Hello, Mr. Peterberg. Welcome to the Geeky Remy Podcast. That's a really long... You've built me up far too much, <laughs> but hello. How are we doing? All right, thank you. <laughs> Good to have you back in with us. What have you been up to? Put on a Comic-Con, and it happened, and it was cool, and yeah. it went roughly as I wanted it to go, and now just doing all the write-up and working and living and... Stuff. So the fun stuff. The fun stuff. <laughs> if you got that post con come down now, you're just like, what? What do I do with myself now? Yeah, I've, I've, I've had that thing where I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm wandering through time with no purpose in life anymore. I'm just waking up and just staring into the distance, thinking, when's the next thing going to happen? <laughs> that seems to be the thing there, because if, if nobody's ever been to a con before, it's. The anticipation, you get that anticipation curve where you go from not really caring around that much to that massive week before, this is going to be awesome, and then the little curve back down of, oh god, and then the con happens and then you're like, now what do I do? That week before was pound for pound one of the most trying weeks of my life. So many people dropped out, there were so many changes and switches and... Uh, it was just like the night and the morning of it. The whole thing was just—I was a mess. I'm not sure how I how I got through, but I just kept on thinking, right, let's just do the things I thought about doing, and that should be okay. And it, it yeah, it went well. And you being daft enough to do it again next year? Well, I want to. That's the that's the initial <laughs> I want to. But I mean, out of out of what I've did, I've I've been brought on board with the working group for Coventry Comic Con, and mm-hmm. I've been brought. I'm bored for the working group of Spa Wars in Leamington Spas, the 40th, the, uh, 40th celebration. So Keeping busy then. Keeping busy and keeping toe in the water, so to speak, and let's see how, how far they get me and how bothered I am by it, and then maybe next year I'll either will or I won't. I want to, I do want to, and it's just whether the moon and the stars align and, and I can yeah. physically get it done, or whether I even kind of try and be a little bit, let's do it every second year because... Like that might build up a little bit more. Mm. It might be something that every, ICES every year or Birmingham comic conventions every year. Yeah. Why not give it every couple of years and try and go a little bit bigger each year? Cool. That seems like a really good idea. The idea to go biannual. It's quite good because it gives you enough time to kind of let it build and just stay and get you know some interesting new stuff going, and it gives you a lot of time to kind of you know build up to it. So it's probably a good idea actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, two years. Well, you get the Winter Olympics, the Summer Olympics. Why can't you do that with the convention? Plus, I mean, ne- next summer, 
um, for the sport enthusiasts is obviously the football's on, oh. and and then <laughs> you, you, if I'm going for the same time of year, the football's yeah. just finishing as the football season is just starting, and it's it's that I managed to get it literally on the first day of this season, so it might be that people are are so kind of football overwhelmed that they're not leaving their houses. So I thought, you know what, let's let's maybe just skip a year and and then get a bigger venue and try and go for the next kind of level or tier up of guests yeah. and you yeah. know what any of those guests that I had might have, might blow up in something new and say look mm-hmm. I had you when you were kind of not quite Z list <laughs> but maybe a S or a T list <laughs> now that you're like an M can I have you back <laughs> do you think there is a full 26 levels of celebrity Based on some of the shows I've seen on TV, most definitely yes. And they go into numbers, I think, afterwards as well. And, well, and I was thinking it's punctuation like is like a double A worse than a Z. Now double A's going up, isn't it? I don't know. Is that up or down? Triple A would be like triple A. Triple A is like the best of the best, isn't it? Triple A titles. How about triple X? That's just <laughs> no one needed to talk about that film at this point. I think we, I think it should be letters followed by numbers followed yeah. by punctuation. Yeah. Like you have on those on those big lists where you see like all of all of the. I think things. you'll find I'm an interrobang list of celebrity. Perhaps it could be it's it's um, all those letters that when you hold down the key on your iP- on your iPhone <laughs> and it gives you like those ones. It's like O with an umlaut on version. Yeah, hyphenated it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're the celebrity. You are, I have to hold down on the letter <laughs> to find. That. You're just an emoji, <laughs> <laughs> and we all know which emoji you'd be. Yeah, <laughs> the chocolate mousse one. Yeah, yeah. The, the three buildings one. It's like I've, I've gone through the emojis list on my phone sometimes. What? I'm thinking, who uses these? Have you not been? Oh, because you're an Android person, so you no. might, you might have a a smaller selection of uh, emojis. But superly nerdily, I have installed the Gboard, which is Google's like vanilla keyboard. And now, when you type words in, it pops emojis up if you want to put an emoji in instead. It does that on the iPhone as well. And it's now. like, well, no, I actually want to write the word house, thank you. I don't want a little picture of a house. We're going back to Egyptian times where mm. everybody just writes in hieroglyphs now. But it's one of those things as well where it's because the English language is so weird. If I write wind in, I get an emoji. Yeah. If I write fart in, I get the same emoji. So it's like, how do you kind of bridge that gap? Do people think you're saying fart when you mean wind? Is it like... Is it like writing in like Chinese, where you like have different intonations for each symbol depending on where they're placed in the word? I think there should be a full hashtag ready keyboard. So if you hashtag a word, like you know when they did the Wonder Woman thing, if you hashtag yeah. Wonder Woman, you get the little symbol pop up. Every word, if you hashtag every word in a text message, an appropriate emoji <laughs> appears for it. But then you'd have to have an appropriate emoji for Donald Trump, and there already is the chocolate mousse, and there's already the finger pointing upwards. <laughs> Keith, what have you been up to? I've been having a relaxing week catching up with uh, Twin Peaks and various other films that I've been missing. Some were good, some were not so good. But I've watched them now so I can have an opinion on them. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, um, no, I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I'm still massively behind on Game of, Game of Thrones because like, it it's not a show that I've like gone... We're blatantly going to spoil this for you. I don't, <laughs> it's alright, I, I don't mind Game of Thrones All being the spoiled. Spoilers. It's like... <laughs> Am I going to? Am I ever going to actually watch it at some point? And I'll know what happens. I know what happens. You know, it'll well, be like it, it'll be terribly. It's a seven episode season. We're down to like Mad Men levels. I know, of but short I've still got seasons. I've still got half a season two to watch. Then three. Then four. Then five. Philip did it much better. His version that sounded like of soap opera that was on like on that, or that was good. That <laughs> so that kind of filled me in completely. I know what's going on. It's, yes. 
yeah also i've seen trailer i've seen the trailers for this and the kind of like you know the the bullshit dead dragon that comes back and then burns down did you just say bullshit dead dragon yeah (laughs) like a real attitude problem (laughs) yeah he's dead and he's been dragged away i'm not going to my room (laughs) so yeah and they killed off all the wolves and everything it's like you know there's still a couple of them knocking around yeah still two left if it ends up yeah. being like Arya's one still alive, and well, Arya's one's got its own family now. Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's what's that's what should happen. Is the wolves and the dragons get together and then go? You know what? These humans are terrible. They kill off all of the humans, and it just ends up being wolves and dragons. Maybe the wolves and dragons like unite to form Voltron to like destroy the Nike. <laughs> That'd be good, like a a big kind of fleshy a fantasy Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind being spoiled for for yeah. Game of Thrones. It's all right, but I've I've just been compelled to every. I've tried to pace myself with Twin Peaks, but I just got, it's just, oh, it's its my end of the spectrum, whereas Game of Thrones, I'm, I'm all right. I've heard it's been a very, very weird series. The weirder, the better. It's um, been phenomenal. David Lynch is touching on Cronenberg, I've heard at some points. Um, yeah, very possibly, very possibly. Yeah, I mean, there's been two, I mean, the kind of episode eight and episode 16 have been particularly big high points for me. Yeah, the, the, the one episode eight was the kind of the one that like either threw people off the bus completely, or people went, oh. "This is the best thing ever in the history of television." Yes. Well, I've still got ninety percent of season one and all of season two, and all of this season to watch. So I don't think I'll be watching it before the finale. Yeah, I think if you've come to it from the previous t- seasons, season two is the kind of the the the, the, the one that's not as good. Mm. You know, it goes a bit soapy, and the episodes that aren't directed by Lynch or, or written by him, him and Frost are, are not as great. Well, but this it, season has just been. So, didn't the first, the second season have the problem of the reverse of most seasons now, where they pretty much wrote season one to be an all encapsulated thing, and they went, crap, we're actually popular, we're best to write another series out the back of this. <laughs> Which seems to be the thing with every single American TV show. They'll make one bit of brilliance and yeah. then just extend it until, like, Simpsons, when will Simpsons die? Well, the problem is with that kind of stuff is that you want to write your best stuff, but you're at the whim of a network that thinks yeah. you only got 35 million viewers as, a th- as opposed to the 35.64 you got last season. That's it, you've got to go. Yeah. So it's, it, it's the, if you plan for the future, you, you're in the Guillermo del Toro ver- verse where you've got Hellboy 3 sat there waiting to go and it's going to be awesome, and now there's a reboot and you're never going to make that. So yeah. it's why commit to that level of industry work, heartache, pour your soul into that work and then go, oh, well, I'm going to get to make it. And I must say about that one, um, brilliant, noble decision by, was it Ed Hayne? Who was the one who was in Deadpool as a villain? Ed I can't remember somebody. his name. Francis. The one, the one who's, <laughs> yeah, Francis. The one who's, who's left the, the Yeah, production. he's left yeah. Hellboy 3 because they were basically going to play this straight on white American actor as somebody who's supposed to be an Asian American and it's kind of like well he's like completely gone well that's just whitewashing so I ain't gonna do it which is a pretty strong decision in this day and age I mean well if you're a man of your conviction then yeah. then why not I mean the you're always gonna get that argument like that when they were filming Iron Fist which I still haven't yeah. got around to it was the oh he should be this character he should be this character well he was never written as that so do you no. say true to source material or yeah. do you make it a modern version and that would well, that was the complete opposite as well. Because yeah. it's like, why is he not Chinese? And it's like, well, if you've ever read the bloody comics, you'd find he's an Irish American guy who's like ended up and gone and learnt the power of London by accident. He's a, he's a a really fancy guy from Game of Thrones who can't fight. 
Yeah. Like he's meant to be able to fight. <laughs> yeah. But I'm 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 not holding out hope for this Hellboy reboot. If Mignola's in, involved, I mean, it, it's one of those things because because the Ron Perlman version is such a a perfect yeah. version of that story. Yeah, and I can't see anybody else playing Hellboy. No, well, the guy that's doing it is the guy that was the uh, Hopper in Stranger Things. No, and I just don't. I, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to be as physically. Uh, I mean, Ron as, Perlman had the chin for Hellboy for a start off. It's just all you need to do was paint, spray paint him red and stick some horns on him, and he was done. Well, I see. Essentially, Ron Perlman played Ron Perlman <laughs> yeah. with a big de- demonic hand and horns. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he's great in whatever he does, you know. Yeah. So Ron Perlman, you know, I watched him when he was in Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton back in the eighties, and he was fantastic in that under all that kind of makeup stuff, which was yeah. really good. But the, the, at least with Gerald, it's like we don't get Hellboy three, but we're getting Shape of the Water instead, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Because like any film that gets Sally Hawkins back on the screen is always a good thing, and it looks pretty good. I think Guillermo del Toro actually works best away from the big blockbuster movies. I mean, Pacific Rim was a bit of a letdown. It's it, it was like it, Legendary's break away from Warner Brothers, and it was kind of like this was supposed to be like the film that made Legendary their own big, beautiful thing, and then it was just. Yeah. Pacific Rim was that. It's that film that if you put it on, you're not going to sit and watch it. You'll do other things while it's on. And, and go, then watch the fight scenes. Yeah, and go, oh, cool. I'm going to go make a tea. Or I'm just going to I'm gonna text someone. And then, oh, that thing happened. It's There's nothing that holds you that makes you think everything else needs to go away. I'm watching this. I mean, I, when it was launched, I went to watch it in IMAX, which was probably the best way to see that movie. If you want to watch giant robots fight giant monsters, you need a giant screen. That's the only thing. And I don't think it translated very well to the small screen experience, and that's why I'm... It didn't do as well as expected on Blu-ray and DVD. There's loads of films that I've I've been to see. I, I go to Cineworld, but there are other chains available, obviously. Yeah. And some of the films, you think, what screen did you film this for? Because you've either skimped on the CGI, or I'm watching it in the wrong format. Some of them just don't translate downwards, whereas some of the others that they think, oh, we've got a 3D that we could just throw on this, it doesn't work going up either. Right, so, um... So you picked up King Kong, Keith, Skull Island. Does that work on the small screen? For me, it yeah. does. Because visually, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the CGI at the moment is is at a point where it, it's 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 pretty good. Um, but again, it's kind of, it's one of those films. I think I I got a lot out of it. I really liked the the direction of it. I liked the way the color palette was done. You know, the whole kind of seventies kind of post Vietnam yeah. setting worked f- for me really well. So it, it, it's I got I got quite a lot out of that. I can see other people yeah. would kind of watch it and go, "Oh, it's you know, like, you know, because it's not on a huge screen." That was my big worry with it because they've scaled Kong up now, so they can do the whole Kong versus Zilla movie at some point. And I thought the first Kong movie, even though it was two hours too long probably <laughs> could have and Kong felt like he was the right size for a giant monkey basically but now he's going to be going toe to toe with Godzilla I thought that might be a bit of a weakness to the film having him that like ridiculously over large it's a weird one because the Peter Jackson version yeah. is, is more like your kind of uh, mighty Joe Young kind yeah. of, he's, he's kind of not 
he's not grossly yes. huge, and and his his gorilla still looks and and walks and, and acts like a gorilla, whereas the one in in Kong Skull Island is, is very much it's it's the monster version of Kong. It's the yeah. kind of like he's upright. It's the 60s predominantly, yeah. He's, yeah. Well, he's he's the he's the he's the 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 the, the Willis O'Brien kind of stood yeah. up kind of Kong, which is quite cool. Um, and I don't, I don't know the scale is weird because I think he's still a little too small for Godzilla. With the Godzilla. Yeah, so yeah. it all seems a bit odd. I'm not quite sure how this whole monarch kind of King Kong versus Godzilla thing will work. Whether it's the case of like they've just called it. Kong versus Zilla, and it's not actually going to be that. They're not going to fight. Maybe they're going to team up to fight Mothra fight. or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be Batman versus Superman. Someone's going to shout Martha. Yeah, and that's it. They're <laughs> going to find that they've got common ground. <laughs> I've just got this now with like Godzilla throttling Kong, and Kong just goes Martha. <laughs> what did you say that name? <laughs> Apes and dragons together, strong. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe it needs like a Wonder Woman character who would be the Wonder Woman character to come in and like unite them together. Are we going like out of left field or are we trying to keep yeah. it in their universe? <laughs> you can go as weird as you want. The 50 foot woman. Yes, there you, there go. you go. The 50 foot come in, comes in, brings them together. The Daryl Hannah version. They go for drinks. Trendy wine bars on a Friday night. Yeah, they're all sitting around, you know, these monsters. They get bad yeah. rap. It's like, you know, everybody's well, picking on them. This is the thing as well with monster movies. What do they do in their off time? They can't be rampaging through cities all the time. We've got to wait for them to be rebuilt. So. They're, they're all playing cards against humanity. <laughs> King Kong goes up and down the country uh, waiting for people outside the back of television studios to gain autographs. I know what they're all doing. <laughs> they're all DJs. They're all flipping vinyl in some pub somewhere. <laughs> you know, big pubs. Obviously, they've got to be quite a large pub. But they're all, they're all part-time DJs. Maybe they're radio DJs. Maybe that's why you never see their faces. They're the late night radio DJs. They get smuggled into the building late at night. It's always a, it's when when there's no speaking between the records. That's when they're doing it because obviously they can't talk as as well. So yeah. they they're just spinning the records. And that all I can think is what Kong's DJ set would be. So we have got the monkeys coming up here. <laughs> Maybe some of the banana splits. What else would we put on Kong's DJ set? Kid Creole and the coconuts. Yep, Donkey Kong. This is spinning out of control quickly. <laughs> I, I'd have thought Godzilla seems like a like a hot jazz kind of guy. Nothing yeah. but weather report. <laughs> I, I'm thinking J-pop. <laughs> Starts every show with baby metal. Yeah. Guitar wolf. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> so do you want to know what I've been up to this week, by the way? What's we've been ravaging on about DJ Kong? Yes, guy, um, Ryan. Guy. You're in the say. You're in the weather. My hair is of a reasonable length. Oh, so you're and not, I haven't sworn about anything You're not eating yet. slightly smelly pasta. And I'm not over the can of San Pellegrino. Can, yeah. <laughs> So Ryan, how has your week been? Well, I've been nominated for an award. Ooh. I'm a finalist of an award now. Oh, that's good. Yes. Does that mean I have to vote again? Yes. How well, many times have I got to vote? That's my second nomination this year. Oh. Come on. Well, I'm not asking for much here. Well, yeah. At least <laughs> I, I bring you sweets every week. That, that's true. At least it, yeah, it doesn't cost me 50p plus, you, plus my usual network fee. I bought you Royster's bubbled T-bone steak crisp this week. Mainly to get the taste out of the terrible Transformer snacks you bought in last time. Those like, I'm Space Raiders next time. Oh, Christ. Tangy Toms. No, but this, don't get me started on crisps, because I'm really upset about Walkers at the moment. Oh, with their, with their whole flavour like, versus flavour. Yeah, the whole... And I've noticed that the ready salted and the cheese and onion aren't up no. for this whole thing. It's just the salt and vinegar. But, and they want to replace it by, with lime and black pepper. What insanity is this? The thing is, you can't take away your pillars of taste. Yeah. Like, there's no point taking. If if Freddie Salt's your best seller, 
you can't run the risk that someone's going to do a, a DC and kill Robin. Yeah. If ready salted goes, they're in, they're on their ass. <laughs> but we all know nobody really likes cheese and onion crisps. Nobody really likes ready salted. They're there to make up the multi pack. That but is their you, only you, part if, of existence. But why make multi? I don't I don't understand the whole idea behind multi packs as well because there's, they always include like two packets of the flavour nobody in the house wants. Ready salted. Yeah. See, I'm our, our household's a ready salted household. <sighs> Like every now and then they'll branch out into other things, like but cheese and onion cake. Yeah, but by by and large, I tell you, we're already sold house. I tell you what, I don't understand the meaty six pack of crisps, which has roast beef, chicken, and prawn cocktail. When did prawn cocktail become a meat? <laughs> this is something it's, I've never understood. With it's the, the two, <laughs> like, it's the two packets of a, of one crisp that nobody wants. Yeah. It's like you know. So it's the it's the tr- it's the th- it's the third episode or the third part of a, a film series that nobody wanted. Matt, prawn cocktail is always a challenge because people open it, have a whiff, they're never sure. They put one in their mouth, they can never decide if they like it, but still eat the entire pack. That's just wrong. S- stuff stuff with that kind of that smell output is banned in our household. <laughs> like the kids, they're just about allowed to mark ketchup. Everything, yeah. everything that's that's worse on the smell scale yeah. for that. I'm like, no, it's not happening. One of my food blogger friends committed the ultimate sin on the train this week. Laura, bite your problem if you're listening. I'm <laughs> dobbing you in here. She was catching the train home and she took out of her bag and opened a boiled egg, which had been in one of those plastic pots, Ooh. and a salmon salad. Oh, <laughs> on the train home. Might as well have broke out the scampi frogs while you're at it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, durian fruit, anything else you can make them smell worse, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's just... There is, like, there should be rules about what you're allowed to eat in public. Yeah, there should be a code of conduct. Yeah. Well, I was having arguments about this at work because somebody brought pizza in. Now, pizza at work desk, is that uh, acceptable If thing? it's cold, margarita pizza. Brand- no, hot from pizza. <gasps> no, 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 that's not. Yes. But then we were on the whole thing of if you got a pasty from Greg's, that would be acceptable. So why wouldn't a hot slice of pizza be acceptable? Hmm. I suppose it's it's down to who's eating it, how they eat. I think it's if it's at your desk, it's a no no. Yeah. If it's in a communal kitchen, yeah. a multi use <laughs> room where people eat, yeah. then maybe that's kind of okay. But yeah, there, there needs to be a smell tolerance level. Yeah. Bit like on the train, you know, you've got the quiet coach. Yeah. You've got like a, a designated. A smell free. <laughs> or, or have a smell coach, for instance. So if you're in the office and someone wants to break out the, the particularly pungent food, you'll go and sit together and See, combat the, smells. Now, the problem with that is people would take that smell word liberally. <laughs> See, I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. I think it's time to start the proper show, isn't it? It's, it's creeping on to that time. Yes, I don't. I, this is confusing me because we haven't got the big glowy light that tells me how. Somebody's turned cool off the is. big glowy clock. Oh, oh she'll go and sort that out. Yes, immediately. It does play a jingle when you switch it on. Oh, okay, so we need to do that in between. Or should we yes. do it now while the headphones are, the headphones yeah. are on? Not the headphones. <laughs> the, the microphones. Microphone. Are you going to take the microphone over and listen to the amazing <laughs> jingle that? Take mic three along with you and turn the clock on. <laughs> do do road <laughs> style. I have no idea. I assume somebody wanted their plug socket to charge their phone. Or it's bust. Ah, looks like it's bust. Do you want to unplug it and plug it back in again? That IT support. 
Yes. It usually works. No, somebody has broken the clock and not told us. Now, that is true IT support. Yeah. Whack it until it works. Turn it off and turn it on again and then hit it. I, can ch- I think the charge is because that's... Yeah, that should be green. Oh. Never mind. We'll move on. Could make a nice remix out of it, though. So we're clockless. I'm glad you didn't say anything after that. <laughs> no, I, I was going to make a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, we're, 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 f- we're five minutes from live time. Yes. It's like NASA, pre, pre, pre-launch. pre Yes. Everything's, everything's, everything's going fine. So for people who listen to the Smooth Podcast experience, they think we just move straight on. They don't realise we have this little bit of time where we need to... Because we, we just make it look so you're, good. You're revealing behind-the-scenes look at Geeky Brummy. Behind the... Whatever. Narrated by movie trailer voice guy. Mm. I need to work on that a little bit more. Coming soon. I think every voiceover ever should be done by Morgan Freeman. Just no, if... they just get big. I, I, I don't. I, no, it's so, get boring now. No, but now you... Morgan Freeman's played God. It's ruined there. But you, if you think right, it's fine that he's doing like dramatic stuff, and he's Morgan Freeman. He's acting. But imagine if he's selling Silic Bang or something like that, or he's selling toilet roll. You telling me Morgan Freeman telling you about the texture of Andrex isn't going to be amazing. Hi, Morgan Freeman here to tell you about how to body your wipe. <laughs> See, we're moving on to body wipes once again. Oh, yeah, I'd like Morgan Freeman. Do you want Freeman. that fresh feeling? I'd buy products endorsed by Morgan Freeman. That's the thing. Morgan Freeman doesn't actually have... He has an American accent, but it's not like a specific American accent. It's like half North, half South mix. It's not really from anywhere. Mm. I like the fact that every time people talk about Morgan Freeman, they do the introduction voice from Shawshank, but then make tailor it to the need of the conversation. (laughs) It would be good to hear Morgan Freeman, because I listen to the radio sometimes in the morning, and I've noticed a worrying trend that nearly every product is advertised by Dexter Fletcher. Yes. It's like, he seems to advertise everything from Mark McDonald's. Silk, our lovely Mark Silk, we've had him before, he's advertised a few things. He does, yeah, he does a few things. But Dexter Fletcher has moved on from Press Gang to just doing voiceovers. No, he's directed a couple of decent movies. Wasn't he in Lockstock as well? He was in Lockstock as well, yeah, which was okay. Reasonable. It was all right. It's mm. certainly better than Legend of the Sword. Yeah. Don't go on to that one. <laughs> watch, watch that the other way. <laughs> Why? They can't even spell legend right. They went American spelling. Well, There's a D, people. If you're talking about an Arthurian legend, put the D in. It was, it's one of those things, to say you've seen it so you, you can say bad things about it because you've seen it. I it, was all right until it the It had big David Beckham in that movie. It had David Beckham. That is all that needs to be said. He wasn't the worst part of that film, though. And that's the worst <laughs> thing about it. I was, I was okay with it. Like It was like a, yeah, this is fine, until the big snake. And then I was like, oh. No. Yes. There's but a big snake. There's a big snake. In Middle Ages England. And some cockanays need to go and sort it out. <laughs> was it a large adder or I, was it a, a grass snake? Because they're often confused. I couldn't tell you the defining uh, <laughs> large snake. Bit of a power constrictor here, lads. <laughs> Again, that's that, it's that flipping, um, flipping, flipping, mother flipping. Um, it's that Pacific Rim connection again with that Charlie Hunnamanum. How do you say his name? Charlie Hunnamanum. It sounds like he's got to have a cold to say his name. Anyway, time to move on. Back shortly. For the night is dark and full of spoilers. Keith, you sweet summer child who's still on series two, you might need to close your ears for a little this bit. I don't mind spoilers. I've got the internet, so hearing it live, it's, it's, no, it's no big deal. Right, it's finished. The biggest thing in TV. 
Is it still the biggest thing in TV or has Westworld taken over? <laughs> no, David I'm, Lynch has a show on TV at the moment, everybody. Nobody cares about that. I'm oh. not, I, can't, I can't get beyond Westworld. I, I thought the last episode of Westworld made everything else make sense. It's one of those that you got to the final episode and you went, Oh, yeah, so that's why they were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's one of those that you got to sit for the entire series to like, try and work out what's going on. But anyway, Game of Thrones. Pete, you have thoughts. Do you have thoughts written down? I have thoughts written down. Um, uh, I came prepared with kind of in-depth kind of thing, but the first thing I want to say is obviously major spoilers. I, I as Ryan knows, had episode 7 spoiled by Funko releasing their uh, Night King riding a dragon. So... Or an icy dragon, so I went into episode 7 going, No, I know too much already. Right, one thing before we even get started on that is, where the hell did they find those chains? I can, I don't imagine there's a zombie blacksmith popped around the corner somewhere and like doing a bit of ironmongery. Where the hell did they get those from? Local being cure. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, we'll just drag the bottom, drag the dragon from the bottom of the lake with these chains from nowhere. It's like, no, this makes no sense to me. No. And this is one of my biggest gripes with the entire season. The writing has gone down the pan. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not what it was. Is a simplistic view, but it it's not. It doesn't feel like it's tying all the loose ends up. It's kind of leaving more questions. Whereas yeah. the earlier seasons, there was an answer to every point, which is what kept it rolling on. I mean, we know George R. R. Martin is too busy on the trampoline in his back garden to actually bother to go writing, and. Was expecting at least a book by the time I think what seven? It's we're eight years in now since the first season of Game of Thrones started, and there's probably expecting him to have finished writing a damn book by now. I mean, I guess he's got to that point. He's the where's his motivation? They're going to take some artistic license anyway, so yeah. and I'm sure he's sitting on a big fat pile of money. Yeah, all the money. Yes. So does it not show that he his writing was what was carrying this show before? Because I've I've heard a lot of people saying that the writing this year has been particularly off key so but surely adapting the book those writers that they brought onto the show should be capable of continuing the story and writing is it i mean I'd, i've not i didn't notice whether they've ripped stuff verbatim from the books and just put it into the, st- the story yeah. so, but, so what, but why think, why have they done it so badly previously the show was adapted to the story and this time they've adapted the story to the show and i think that's the weakness of it yeah, they've started moving further away from source material yeah. and tried to make it. I mean, I think the, season four was the turning point of that, mm, where things started to drift. But they still kept to the skeleton of what was written before. It's a very thin skeleton now, though. Yeah, and like there is, as you said, there's no bones left. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a White Walker that's been there for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Not much left on that. Meat left on those bones. Aren't they saying that the next season's not going to be till 2019? Yeah. So why didn't they just leave it and and not put a season out well, this year? This just like wait for wait for him to either put together a, a kind of bible that they could work from, even if there wasn't a book. Yeah. And pick it up a few years later. I mean, obviously, the actors are going to get older, and there's a chance that some of them might not be with us for, for the, the whole run. I but think. The phrase dollar dollar bills y'all pretty much answers that question right there because this was supposed to be one season. It was supposed to be one season of 13 feature length episodes and they've cut it into seven and a six to finish off. So we've only got six episodes, whatever happens now, to wrap up 
everything that's still outstanding. They've got to the point where some of those actors and actresses are looking to not be that character anymore. Yeah. They want to go and do whatever it is they want to do with their careers, yeah. and some of that will be great, and some of it will be tat, but yeah. they, they're moving on, so they're now finding a position where we've got to solve the the fact that Kit Harrington can't be bothered to be Jon Snow Johnson. anymore, and Amelia Clark doesn't want to be Khaleesi anymore. Yeah. What kind of I noticed a lot with the kind of the whole internet thing is, is every other year there's been the, the penultimate episode everybody's gone, this is the greatest moment of television his- television for this year. I didn't get the feeling that that happened this year, that there was this episode where everybody was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Well, the last two episodes of the last season, I think, where they threw every single penny at it, Yeah, they were cinematic TV. They were, I, I would have appreciated seeing those on a big cinema screen. I think they, they, it was shot that well and it was done that well. They, were, they tried to do that mid-season here and it... It fell a little bit flat on its face. Yeah. I, when you reach certain heights, there's only a down. Like, you, to maintain certain things, and like, like you said last season, especially um, the the battle between the, uh, between John. Yeah. And now I forgot his name, because um, I hate him so much. <laughs> the Boltons. Yeah. Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton, that's it. They got to such a point where, to to continue that at that level, you're talking budget that, as Ryan said, it's cinematic budget, and then you've got to make sure that those actors are actually buying into what you're doing, and most of them are. Most of them are. Let's just wrap this up and get it done. Yeah, I think. All right, so we'll cover off the major plot points. So, as we said, spoilers, close your ears. The death of Littlefinger was a massive disappointment to me. He has been the main villain for the entire entirety of Game of Thrones. He's the puppet master. He's the puppet master. He set everything off in the first place. He's the one who got the whole... Told you not to trust me. Told not... Yeah, he's the one who got Ned killed. He was the one who got um, good old Robbie dead at the start, really. It's his fault. He lost the hand of the king. He triggered everything off. And for him to die... That badly, I'd say. I mean, it was. We had a three seconds of, ooh, is it going to be Arya versus Sansa? And then it was just, no. And I think this is the biggest problem as well. Now you have Mr. We, me himself, Bran Stark, who looks like a video game character from Wii Sports, is <laughs> just sat in a wheelchair somewhere. Now he knows everything. It's it's kind of ruined the series because he's just like that powerful now. He knows whatever's going to happen. Although that that reveal where he was talking to Sam, I I know that it's not the greatest season ever, and it's not. I really love the episode per se. Yeah. But that little reveal, it was almost like. Everything's just unfurling, and even though yeah. I knew all those things, yeah. it was. I, I love the it clarification. Felt yeah. yeah, it did feel a bit hurried. That bit did, and it was just like, come on, you, you can spice this out. There's no need to have that that happen yeah. then. But even the end of the episode with Keith is the wall falling down. I wasn't shocked anymore. I just. It all it all feels like they should have done these things as individual moments where yeah. you can live in that moment and the reasons it happened. I think it just felt like a tidy up series. They yes. killed off a lot of the by um, side characters to really try and refocus the story and like get it back to. Well, that makes a chance from killing the main characters. Yeah, well, but they've <laughs> got like all the side characters are pretty much gone now. They tried to refocus it back, and it was just like this season just felt like 
it's just prep for next time. That's all it felt like. To and me. the spin-offs for each of those characters yes. that want to stay on the Game of Thrones bandwagon. Yeah, and they're even talking prequel now, aren't they, as well, with the whole Rhaegar era. Yeah. yeah. So is this like you're going to have the kind of uh, the Game of Thrones equivalent of Mork and Mindy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like the Enterprise of Game of Thrones. I mean, no one needs that. <laughs> you say the, the war thing is a spoiler, but I mean, I've read a few fantasy novels in my time, and like, it was going to happen at some point. It's not, you know, it was it was going to happen. At, at, yeah. Any, at any point but where do you think this leaves fans now if they're kind of coming out of this one this season a little bit disappointed do you think that they're going to be back I think when, when the show returns the hype machine will be back because they, it is the most hype show on TV and the lead up to this season we saw a massive amount of hype for it Sky will do its usual replay the entirety of all of it Everyone will, be, everyone will be back at San Diego Comic-Con doing their panels. It's water cooler TV. And yeah. People will watch it. And now we're invested six, seven seasons along. You ain't going to give up now. I think that's what they're ba- banking yeah. on. People, people, won't have anything, people won't have anything to talk about come uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah. But how, if you had to sum up the series up in one sentence, what would it be? Fair to middling. Yeah. I'd say a solid... Six out of ten. Yeah, I agree. Keith, you will enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I, I do intend to catch up at some point mm-hmm. once I've got rid of all those other shows that were more important. But I'll, I will, I will get to kind of the rest of Game of Thrones at some point. But you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to love it. Love it. I think it'll be entertaining enough. But I'll get, I'll get around to it. So I'm having the opportunity to chat to the amazing, the extraordinary Mr. Shane Chebsey, organiser of ICE, amongst other amazing events such as Bix, which you might have heard of previously. Hello and welcome to Geeky Rummy, Shane. Hi, Ryan, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, very good. Getting ready to, getting ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, it's not long now. So if people haven't heard of the International Comics Expo before, would you like to explain what it's all about? Well, basically it's all about the comics and about the comic creators. Uh, we've been running for, uh, well, a few years now. I mean, I've been doing shows for 11 years. Ice, Ice has been going since 2014. And we've been building a following steadily in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always always had an attachment to Birmingham. It's like almost like my second home, you know. So Ice is... Uh, Quite rooted here. We have done we have done a show in Brighton as well, and we've done shows elsewhere. But this was the first year you expanded out to Brighton as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an experiment really, just to see brand of show that we do is wanted elsewhere. And yeah, we had some great feedback from Brighton. It was a very different sort of town, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of things to think about about you know what, what the fans there want. I think you can't really just transplant a show in any town, do it the same way. You've got to sort of react to the, the people in that area and what they want and what they're interested in. Sensibilities are a bit different. Birmingham, pretty well established now. Ice Birmingham. You know, it's all about bringing comic creators to the fans, really, and about introducing the medium of comic people who may haven't tried comics before. I mean, and that's a fantastic thing to see with Ice. It is purely comic creators, comic artists writers and people involved purely in the comics industry you don't broaden the field out like film and tv guests it is purely just about the comics that's right yeah i think there's so many shows now doing the multimedia stuff and doing a very good job of it and you know if i wanted to make lots of money i could probably do that but that's not really what interests me and what or, or interests my team i think there's a need to keep the grassroots comic events going i think they're really important you know it's an outlet for the creators it's it's showing people the versatility of the medium 
and it, we don't we don't we don't need to have the medium verified as it were by you know other medium a story is, uh, you know if a story is told in comic form that's perfectly valid it doesn't need to be you know then adapted into a tv series to make it any better you know it's just a different medium and i think Doing comic shows that are purely about comics just focuses on that, really, and shows us that medium itself is the source, really, the wellspring of all these great ideas. Uh, it's great to see you've got a load of independent guests as well, so it's not just a huge focus on Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, those big flagship titles. You've got some brilliant independent creators there as well. Definitely. I mean, we've got about 90 exhibitors altogether, I think, some just under 90. I would say about half of those are indie creators. We've got a lot of dealers, you know, retailers, stack issues, that sort of thing. About 20 big name guests. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the rest of them, you know, the exhi- exhibition hall is made up of independent artists, writers, self-publishers, in small independent publishing houses. So, you know, the variety of, of, of stuff on, on display is pretty staggering, actually. And it's brilliant to see an event like this as well helps those indie creators to thrive. It helps them to connect with their audience, which they probably wouldn't do at a larger event where they'd probably be sidelined a little bit when as you said multimedia events fantastic if you want to go and meet actors and that kind of thing but this is this brings the creators to the yeah, forefront definitely definitely comics and you know especially you know originally independent comics are the dead center of the, of the show you know we we give them equal footing to show their worth you know alongside the great big names you know and I think it's really important to do that. I think that most uh, browsers who come from outside of the comic industry, you know, you have your hardcore fans who are very focused on what they want. You know, they've, they've come to see a certain guest and they'll go to that guest and that's, that's all they're really interested in. But there's a lot of people who come to these shows who are just open to ideas. They don't know the difference between, you know, a major guest and an indie guest or an exhibitor. To them, it's all just comics. They're all just interested. And I think if you start separating independence and saying, it almost says, you know, actually these guys aren't as important as those guys. So it just creates that bias straight away in the reader's mind that they're separate. And they may have never read comics before, so I think it's really important to just show everything and let everything do well on its own merits. Yeah, I mean, and today's indie creators might be tomorrow's great big uh, Steve Ditko or Alan Wagner. Yeah. This is where most people get their start. Yeah, I mean, this, this is where it all came from. You know, all of these guys who are big names now, you know, they, they started somewhere. Conventions are a really important part of giving creators that outlet, just so they can interact with their potential audience and build their readerships. And there's a lot of conventions now in the UK. I mean, there's one every, there's one or two every week, though, and which is good. I mean, it, it makes it very hard to be a convention organizer. It is very good for creators because they can. They can build their audience across the country and they can interact with them directly. I think that's really essential. Uh, the way that the industry is evolving now, away from the old model of go to a convention, maybe get picked up by an editor, then maybe work for a smaller publisher. I mean, that is still a valid way of getting into the industry, but for people who want to build their own IP and their own fan base, that development of that way of making it in comics is, 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 it means that you know it's, it, conventions are essential for that. Yeah, I mean, it's something we actually spoke to David Lloyd about at the Birmingham Comics Festival a few weeks ago. He's got his new online creative 
uh, Aces Weekly, which is no printing, no paper, and takes artists and writers from around the world and they collaborate on it. And it's a fantastic thing to see the internet being used in this medium. There's some great stuff out there on the net. I mean, you've got to use your filter, you know, and, and root through it all to find the good stuff sometimes. But Aces is quite good because it's, it's sort of a seal of quality in a way that you know mm-hmm. there's going to be a certain standard with the work that's on there. There is some great work coming out of Aces. And I think that's just one example of the, the online development. And at one time, people thought, you know, online comics would, you know, be the death of comics and be the death of conventions, whatever, you know. But I think that actually they, they all go hand in hand. We promote online stuff. On, on, online stuff works at a convention as well because people can then meet their followers. They can produce merchandise and they can sell their merchandise at the convention. And they can do small print runs of their, yeah. their webcomics or their online work and, and sell them at conventions. And it makes it a very special item then. It's like a souvenir of the day, really. And talking of international, you've got some fantastic overseas guests. I mean, Dan Slot for example, pretty much a legend in the comics industry. Yeah, one of the biggest name writers at the moment in the sort of main, mainstream comics, definitely. I mean, writing Amazing Spider-Man, his flagship title. Um, and his, I loved his work on uh, Silver Surfer as well with Michael Allard. I really like that. Um, and who could, you know, who could forget his She-Hulk corrupt? You know? he's, he's constantly putting out really cool, innovative stuff. I mean, and you know, I didn't read Spider-Man for quite a long time, and then I sort of picked up a few of the dance slot. Admittedly, I picked up the stuff because of the art, you know, the current artist on it, because he's one of my favourite artists working in comics today. So that sort of piqued my curiosity, as it were. But the stories are great, they're really interesting. There's a really different way of looking at Peter Parker and looking at Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. The first time I've picked up a Spider-Man comic, I thought, oh, this is really good fun, I'm really enjoying this. So he's achieved almost the impossible there, getting me reading the sort of superhero comics again. I mean, and you've got some fantastic other guests. Uh, any names you want to mention? Obviously, I'm, I mean, we've got our, our headline guest, I guess, is yeah. John Tyler Christopher, legendary um, artist on Star Wars covers yes. and the Marvel covers, these various theaters that are just so in demand and what he was one of the names that people kept asking about and nobody thought that we could get him because it's quite well known that he doesn't like to travel. But we managed it. We managed to persuade him with lots of bribery and <laughs> favours and, <laughs> and uh, he's really looking forward to coming out. The whole family are coming over um, to the UK. Um, and it's gonna be his only trip he's, he reckons sort of for the next ten years. So for a lot of fans it's probably gonna be a once a lifetime chance to meet him. Get, his, get the work signed. So that's really special, and we're really proud to be able to bring a creator like that over. It's so hard as well these days to bring new creators to the UK because, you know, they've all been over, so many of them, and yeah. so many cons. Trying to find someone different that nobody else has had or is likely to have again is really difficult. So we're really proud to, to bring someone like the John Tyler Christopher over. We're really excited about it. And also, we've got the limited edition Venomverse number one as well. Oh, yes, that very, beautiful cover. Yeah, and it's a UK, you know, Diamond UK exclusive. There's only, I think there's 2,000 of them in the world. I could be wrong there. Well, we've gone within five minutes of you opening yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we, we've been offering them uh, as pre sales on the website along with tickets so that people don't miss out, you know, yeah. they can collect them from reception when they come. And that's worked really well because people have just snapped them up. And I know Diamond are doing a special offer with them as well on the day. That's mm-hmm. assuming there's any left on the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's going to be a special offer from the Diamond table where you can buy that cover, get it signed, and you can also get another comic for free, which is pretty good. That's that's and a great offer, yeah. I think the extra comic is, going to, is, a, is a John Tyler Christopher variant as well, so you're basically getting two for the price of one, so that's going to be pretty cool. Even better. And you've got the amazing Charlie Adlard as well, Comics Laureate of the UK. I mean, you can't really get bigger guests than that. Yeah. 
I think it's one of the biggest names in the country at the moment. He just happens to live up the road from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, Charlie is coming along. Uh, he's always, I mean, anyone who's ever met Charlie knows that he's exceptionally friendly guy, uh, loves comics, he's passionate about the medium. We've become firm friends over the years. We share so many passions. Yeah, I mean, he's great at events because he's so, he's so good with the fans and he's always willing to sign. And uh, it's, good. It's, it's really great to have him uh, at the show, it really is. As we mentioned, you've got some fantastic creators there. I mean, somebody we speak to regularly on the show, Mr Ian Richardson, brilliant comic yeah. artist, Ian Edgington, Disraeli's there, Jessica Martin, really who we spoke to a few weeks back. I mean, the local talent. I mean, this is the thing about Birmingham. Another great thing about doing a show in Birmingham is it's so full of great comic creators. You know, not just the big names. I mean, we've got John McRae, obviously. Yeah. Um, Ian, as we said, Lou Stringer, you know, you've got a lot of really cool um, indie people in as well. And you've got you, you've got the Future Quake guys mm-hmm. putting out stuff. And, and, and a little bit further afield, you've got um, quite a few people from, you know, surrounding areas as well. Yeah, you've got it's Steve Tanner with Time Bomb Comics, always. Yeah, yeah, Time Bomb. I mean, Steve has had a real impression on the indie scene. He's putting out some great work. And it's, it's really nice to see a, a homegrown publisher, you know, coming yeah. out and with all this varied stuff. Um, it's, it's brilliant. And the, uh, the Flintlock series of books is just really really nice looking stuff and I'm really 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 happy to have Steve at the show and, and, and like he's going to be doing a, he's going to be taking part I think in something next year with us as well and um, about um, mm-hmm. you know, self-publishing, so that's going to be really. And that'll be great to see. And are you going to have a few talks throughout the day? Yeah, we've got we've got an interview with John Tyler Christopher. We've got an interview with uh, Dan Slot. We've got a chat show from the guys from Geek Syndicate. They're going to be interviewing some of our guests. Charlie's going to be taking part in a in a panel. There's, there's a hell of a lot going on. Dylan T is going to be doing a colouring demo. So it's going to be a really interesting, varied panel lineup. Uh, you know, we're trying to get as many of the guests as we can involved, especially the guys who've flown over. You know. People can, you know, get under the skin a little bit and find out a little bit more about their careers and what they're planning to do in the future. And it's a slight change of venue for the for people who've been previously. So you've moved from the studio venues across yep. to the Birmingham Convention and Exhibition Centre. I forget the name right. You almost got it dead on there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um, yeah the BCEC. It's, uh, it used to be the Holiday Inn. I mean, it still is. Yeah. You know, it's still joined onto the Holiday Inn, which is right by Nostalgia and Comics, just a stone's throw from the, the train station so it's a brilliant location right in the centre of town and it's a beautiful venue and it's all new refurbished and it was, it was great when it was a holiday in to be honest it was a great space we had a really good show there in 2011 the Birmingham BC and you know that's probably one of our most successful shows actually so I'm really excited about using that venue again because you know, I've been there I've visited it obviously you know, prepping for the show and mm-hmm. it's really really nice it's, I mean we're lucky actually to, to be using it now everything's new <laughs> it looks really shiny <laughs> So uh, I, I think fans are going to really enjoy just being in that space, and hopefully it's going to all add to the to the atmosphere of the show. Because the studio you know, was a superb venue, and created a real buzz, really great atmosphere, and we wanted to find somewhere similar to that. The studio was great, but uh, we had some issues with uh, loading with exhibitors, and it wasn't great for the exhibitors. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it was packed to the rafters year. last year, I must say, completely. Yeah, packed. we can't move in there when it gets busy. Can't, even though this new venue is, isn't that much bigger, it's, it's all in one space. It's a little bit easier to manage, and it'll be a little bit easier 
for the exhibitors. And that's who we were, we were considering, really, when we moved venues. Because we, you know, to, to us, everybody's involved in the show is equally as important. You know, the guests, the fans, the exhibitors. Mm-hmm. None of it can happen without a single one of those elements. You know, if we don't have any guests, we haven't got a show. We haven't got any exhibitors. And if we haven't got any fans, we definitely haven't got a show, you know. <laughs> so everyone's equally important. So we recognise that exhibitors needed to be looked after, needed a bit of TLC. So the venue move was part of that, but we still love the studio and we still use it for comments on COVID because it's probably one of the premium venues in the country, to be honest, for that. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Comics Uncovered is a brilliant little thing as well. I mean, that's purely just for the comic creators, isn't it? That's right. I mean, we, that's it's completely separate from ICE now. It's happening next year, but, and, but it is sort of available if people can book it. And DC have already confirmed for that. They're talking to all the other big publishers as well, as we normally. Um, that's going to be really exciting. But that's, that's in... Uh, that's in 2018. Uh, so we, we sort of made it a biannual event now because we want to we want to make it bigger. We want to make it two days long, and we want to be able to expand it a little bit so we can so that people can enjoy it a little bit. And before I let you go, I've got to mention about the amazing poster and T-shirt you've had commissioned for the wow. show. That was painted by uh, Simon Myers. He's a local artist. He does lots of stuff, Sherlock, that sort of thing. Titan. He's, he's only been working as a professional in comics for a, reason, a relatively short amount of time, but he's really made quite a big splash. He, he came along to Birmingham last year, and you know people loved his work, his watercolour stuff especially. And So we invited him as a sort of a, a guest writer, and again, went down really well. So he, he, He's probably going to be a regular, I think. Uh, we like Simon, he's a nice guy. And he did this painting for us, and we, we couldn't be happier, you know. We sort of came up with the idea, um, the, a joint idea, really, with us, and, and, and we sort of said what we sort of wanted. But Simon really sort of went round with it and did his own thing. And mm-hmm. It's quite a cheeky little image. It's nice to have um, Bully in it as well, the Birmingham Bull from outside the Bull Ring popping up in there. That's it. We wanted to make it relevant to it. We want to do that every year now with every show. Uh, with Brighton, we did, you know, Harley outside Brighton Pier. That was by Des Taylor. That was brilliant. And we want to do that with every poster every year. We want to sort of yeah. theme it around the, the local area by one of our guests. And it's just really nice uh, for Simon to be able to do that. And we're so pleased with the image. And yeah, the T-shirt design, which was designed by uh, Andy Richmond, which is our, who is our art director. Yeah, he did a great thing great job of using that artwork. And that t-shirt's only available for attendees of the convention as well. That's right, yeah. You can only get it, you know, by you can order it in advance on the website with the tickets. Yeah. Or you can, there's good, I think there may be a couple mm-hmm. uh, available at the show, but it looks as though it's going to take it off sale soon, because I think it's going to be sold out Yeah. Uh, by the end. Pretty, it might already be sold out, in fact. And it, as I said, 9th of September, so next week, really, really close now. If you've not bought tickets yet, go and get them now it's on eventbrite.co.uk so just search for ice birmingham and that should pop up and if people want more information about you where can we find you online on the website uh, well the main website for for, for, for us is, is um the easiest one to remember is probably the comics show with two s's .co.uk. that'll take you to all of our um shows and all the, you know, show you all about our work comics uncovered ice Mm-hmm. Some of the other festivals we're going to be planning next year as well. You can also find us at Twitter at Ice Comic Con and Facebook as well at Ice Comic Con. Yeah, so if you just yeah, type in Ice the International Comics Expo, you'll get you guys popped yeah, up. Yeah, you can't go wrong really. If you put if you put Ice Birmingham into Google, I think we'd come up. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today, Shane. Absolutely we'll hopefully catch pleasure. up with you next Absolutely week. Absolutely, my pleasure. I'll see you there. Look forward to seeing you, Ryan. Bye. Trailer Talk, our occasional feature where we wrap up what's going to come out soon. 
judged purely on the trailer. So no information other than what's in the trailer. Uh, first one, this does this count as a trailer or does it count as a short? I think it kind of blurs the line it's between the two. It's bridging the line because it's filling in time between the original Blade Runner and yes. the sequel. So it's kind of giving us an insight into what's happening. It's a little bit what's, what Ridley Scott did with some of the pre-alien... Prometheus uh, bits. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, basically Dennis Villeneuve, who's directing Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's commissioned three shorts to go in front of the film. Uh, this is the first one that's been released. It's twenty thirty six Nexus Dawn, and it introduces us to Jared Leto's character of Wallace. And strangely enough, directed by uh, Ridley's son. Yes. Pete, what did you think? Uh, loved Leto. He went full kind of method again but all his little movements his tone everything was just i'm owning this screen i'm chewing the scenery yeah and it was just as i would imagine that character would portray himself it, it's yeah it was so yeah. full of himself every action was a chosen action every turn of the head i will turn my head this way because i want to do this thing kind of yeah no i i mean i I agree with you. I think this is Jared Leto's best role for a long while, actually. He actually, he seemed to understand the character, which is, it's pretty much the new Tyrell in this. He is this corporate megalomaniac. He thinks he owns the world. He thinks he can do what others who haven't done it before. And he thinks he can make it. Keith, you're on a slightly different slant on this one. Yeah, I've leaped the fence and I'm completely on the opposite side. Uh, as, as, a, as a piece of work, Interesting. I'm a little worried, concerned about the whole revisiting the Blade Runner universe because hmm. um, you know I saw the original, loved it, even with the Harrison Ford voiceover. But this was interesting. Benedict Wong um, was was quite cool in it. Benedict Wong's cool in everything. Yeah. He's in everything. At the what, what worried me about this particular version and whether it was in the performance or it's alluding to something and and you, you're talking about the mannered performance that Leto was giving there yeah and for me what was coming across was this idea of um the humans being more machine than the machines mm. so it seems to be lying groundwork here for me about the fact that actually mankind's time has passed and the machines are actually now the next step because man has become such a what do you think the title of it gives that impression with nexus dawn yeah i think it was just it was that kind of like you know mankind's destroyed itself it's become robotic there was yes. all the talk of kind of like the off world well, yeah we get everything. mention of the blackout which is not yeah. we don't know what that is yet but i think we can have a pretty good guess on where yeah. that's going to end up and I, I and unfortunately i'm not a huge fan of yeah. uh, um, mr leto's um, work Over performance <laughs> and again it was it was too mannered it was too deliberate for me to buy into it it looked like acting for me mm -hmm. it, was, it was a little bit kind of you know then the whole scene was a bit mm, okay but you know i'm prepared to give it a chance phil nerve has done some really good work before well, arrival uh, uh, fantastic one of my favorite movies yeah. of last year um does this introduce interest you enough pete to carry on uh, I, i'll watch it because i'm i'm like the first film, and I want to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, my struggle with it at the moment is just Gosling. He, I don't know what he's about. I don't know what he does. Um, having Deckard as his foil might work quite well. I think. I think that's probably what might save it is having an old grumpy Harrison Ford back. I mean, he made the Force Awakens. He he was the pivotal part of the Force Awakens. I think having old grumpy Han. 
So having an old Grumpy Deckard might save this. Even though, yeah, as we said, Ryan Gosling, not the strongest actor to pin your hopes on. Do you reckon Harrison Ford's just going to do reprise every role as long as they promise to kill him in each film? Pretty much. There's an Indy 5 coming at some point. Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Right, next one, Tin Star. So this one's a bit different. I thought I'd go with, this seems to be what they're replacing Game of Thrones with, which is the new Tim Roth show and Christina Hendricks. Uh, Starting on Sky Atlantic soon, and it's one they've funded themselves rather than a HBO show, so this looks quite interesting. I mean, what do you think? I mean, the trailer doesn't really tell you much. Do you know what? I got the feeling on the trailer, and, and, and it's not going to be the thing. It, it's almost that, like, it seemed like a scene that was cut out of a uh, an apocalypse film, like a zombie yeah. film. It seemed like, and the guy appearing with the gun and what have you, yeah. like, it felt like something different than it what it will be. Yeah. So I, I, it's an out of context trailer, but then I can't remember things that Tim Roth have been in that I didn't like. Yeah, I mean. He's, he's a pretty strong character. Even Lie to Me, I really enjoyed that yeah, the I first couple of seasons. Keith, yourself? I'm curious. In, it's it had enough of kind of going on to make me think, well, I might give it a try. You know, Tim Roth's always well worth um, yeah. checking out. And the fact that it looked like it had got that slightly surreal mm-hmm. um, duality. It, it felt a little bit on. Twin Peaksy to me. It, yeah, I think it, I think it I think might be setting, trying for that. Yeah, yeah. I think but it. it might be worth a try. Tim Roth's always worth watching. Yep. Right, next one, Marjorie Prime. So this is a new John Hamm science fiction drama. Tim Robbins, Gina Davis, Lois Smith. Uh, basically, he's a projected version of his of some used deceased Lois Smith's husband, and Tim Roth has to like collaborate, um, come to groups with coming face to face with a younger version of his dead father-in-law. What do you think? The concept seems like oh, cool! cool I like how this is working. Just the trailer itself. Like, oh, it is felt, this going to have more to it? Is this going to? It felt like a Black Mirror episode that's been extended. Mm, if, <laughs> well, they did do the one with um, Donald Gleeson uh, and Haley Atwell, which had a similar premise, uh, yeah. where the, um, the internet had captured somebody's essence and recreated a version of them. I quite, I was quite on board with this because I am quite loving this this whole kind of like slightly low budget almost indie looking bunch of stuff that, that we were getting so like the stuff like A24 are putting out so things like the ghost, a ghost story yeah. and, and it comes at night and this for me was kind of like another take on what um, Spike Jones did with her and yeah, John Hamm's always worth watching and it's kind of like Gina Davis Lois Smith it's like it could be one of those kind of you know cult hits that not many people see but mm-hmm. you know I, I was really taken with the whole trailer yeah I mean I got some real strong hair vibes from the, the style the cinematography and it reminded me of that terrible Johnny Depp movie from a couple of years ago where he gets where he's he, conscious and he becomes everything yes. the, the one that my, Mark Commode loved because it was filmed by um, one of his favourite cinematographers yeah, yeah I can't remember the name of it no Pre- it was something it was yeah, it was terrible right. yep next one Killing Gunter so this is, seems to be pretty much most of the S cast and Arnold Schwarzenegger along for a ride I think it looks like a really good fun romp to be honest I mean, I'm not expecting this to be an amazing film I think it's going to be a fun film but Arnie's not a serious actor it doesn't matter what he does he's always Arnold Schwarzenegger but he hasn't done a deliberately kind of fun silly role for quite some time and obviously the yeah. last one was Around the World in 80 Days with Jackie Chan was the last really? funny fun yeah movie. he was uh, near the Guru or something like yeah. that, or yeah, in some land, but like him as the title role, like you're talking a twins or a last action hero, that kind of stuff. It's been a yeah. while since he's been fully in, yeah, on something that's daft. 
even yeah. though some of the films he's in, because of who he is, there yeah. are laughable moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, um, they've got pretty much most of the latest batch of SNL people in this, and it 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 seems to be like a bit of an experiment with Tarim Killen. Um, Keith, your thoughts? I quite like the look of the trailer. You know, mm. give Arnold the right role, and he can bring his A game. And yeah. he looked like he was having fun with this. It looks silly and stupid. Yeah. And I think you know, occasionally we need a silly and stupid film. Yeah. And I think if it's done well, and the and the yeah. jokes come, and it's fun, and it's actually funny, and it did look quite amusing from the trailer. So I'm thinking I'll give this one a give this one a whirl. I'm yeah, hoping I mean, it's not going to be a McGruber. <laughs> I was going to say it reminded me a little bit of Lucky Number Eleven with like the plot line. It's like this super assassin and the other assassins coming out to take him out. Was that looking in the Slevin or was that Smoking Aces? Similar oh, kind of vibey yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But this this looked quite, I, you know, yeah. I'm willing to give this one a shot. Yep. Um, swapping to something a bit darker, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which is starting on Channel 4 very soon, an anthology of 10 standalone episodes inspired by Philip K. Dick's, Philip K. Dick's renowned short stories, of which Blade Runner come from, which is Do Android Dreams of Electric Sheep. What do we think? I watched it. And didn't realise or didn't piece together the pieces. And the first thing I was like, oh, this has got a Total Recall feel or it's got a Blade Runner feel. Yeah. Then started doing a bit of the reading. I was like, ah, oh, well, that's why. Yeah. But it looks visually sharp, visually mm-hmm. kind of like the switching between the universes, the worlds and stuff like that. Yeah. It looks like it's got the potential to be something really interesting. I mean, they've got some fantastic casting on this. You've got Liam Cunningham, who's reprising his role, uh, reprising from Game of Thrones, which people will remember him from now. Not Afweeda Shimpet, where he really started off. Uh, but you've got uh, Tuppence Milton, Benedict, Benedict Wong pops up again, Steve Buscemi, Terence Howard. They've thrown a hell of a lot of money at this. And it seems to be their version of Black Mirror, is the way I'd describe it. Keith? I think it's possibly going to be a bit more Twilight Zone, Outer Limits type stuff, but it looks pretty good. I'm definitely going to be watching it on Channel 4. Yeah, and... Brings us around to our final trailer, which we'll quickly mention, Black Mirror Season 4. So the trailer is just the sh- titles of which shows, uh, which episodes are going to do. One that really looked good to me is USS Callister. I'm really looking forward to that one. It seems to be like a really dark turn on a Star Trek universe. Pete, anyone that captured you? Um, I, I like the look of the Brian Cranston, especially that, that moment where he turns to the kind of almost face the camera with the, the alien suit on. Yeah. Just for that sci-fi moment, and Brian Cranston's just strong in everything. Yeah. He's just, it, it's got again, it's potential to be really interesting, really kind of different, and I like the interesting and different. Mm-hmm. Keith, I think if we could, if stories can bring it back round to what we had in seasons one and two, uh, I'm all for it. And and obviously the the US S Callister one stood out instantly because yeah. you went, yes, great, some actual sci-fi on sci-fi yes. telly. That'd be yeah. good. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Black Mirror. Weird news. Right, this is Pete's first real-life weird news experience in the studio. Welcome. Am I meant to just react? Yep. Am I meant to regale with horror? I find you all an amazing news story from around the world somewhere, which tickles my fancy, and I think needs sharing on a wider audience. Okay. Right, so this one is actually sourced from BBC News Scotland. So this is a legitimate story, Mr. Bloomfield, before you even start to argue that it's not. Just give us the reporter's name. 
There's no reporter's name. It just says BBC News Scotland. Oh, see, I need a, I need a reporter's name. Although I can't do it now because I, I obviously say some kind of offensive, stereotypical <laughs> Scottish name, which is what it would be. Jimmy McJimmy or something. Reporter like. McReporter. <laughs> Why did I even try and put a Scottish accent yes. on as well? That's not. I should be fired. And this is the region of Tayside and Central Scotland, so we know where we are now. Out of control pensioners fined for hotel rampage. So what? Right, before we even start, what kind of rampage do you think these pensioners it, are going to be on? In my head, you've got, like, a Billy Connolly-looking kind of guy who's throwing chairs and urinating up stuff and going crackers. See, if they're not doing mobility scooter racing down corridors, <laughs> I'd be highly disappointed. And maybe, like, throwing out any food stuff that needs to be chewed. So, they're like, they're getting a bit, like, any kind of crunchy breakfast cereal they're throwing around... You know, they're leaving bananas behind, of right. course. I'm going to show you a picture of what they look like. Getting Weetabix dust everywhere. <laughs> so, would you say the man has a biggins look to him? Uh, he looks a jolly soul. He looks the type to go on a rampage, yes. let's be honest. Staffing guests were forced to flee after two out-of-control pensioners rampaged for a Highland Perthshire Resort hotel, a court heard. Robert Fergus, 72, ran naked with a pair of scissors in the public reception area of the McDonald Lock Rannock Hotel and smashed a glass pane. See, what was the name of that hotel again? The McDonald Loch Rannoch Hotel. See, that's a made-up hotel, mate. <laughs> His wife, Ruth 69, threatened to, shoot staff, uh, sh- threatened to shoot a staff member after reacting badly to the alcohol she had consumed earlier. So, naked man with scissors and somebody threatened and threatening to shoot staff. These aren't the typical pensioners that you would expect on a hotel holiday. They're excessively violent pensioners. Yes. The couple were fined £4,100 at Perth Sheriff Court. Mr. Fergus from Troon, T-R-O-O-N, it is a real place, Keith, was also ordered to pay the hotel £800 compensation to cover the cost of the damage from the incident on the 4th of February. He was admitted for aiding in a threatening and abusive manner towards four staff members, willfully destroying property and drink driving. So they don't mention this bit about the drink driving. That's the most serious (laughs) offence that happened there. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's not like, as you said, a mobility scooter through the hotel. I've <laughs> seen some of those mobility scooters on the road. So they are could pretty still new. Be. Yeah. It could still be. I love the ones when they get the, the full kind of waterproof <laughs> thing and it, it's like a small house on wheels. <laughs> it, it always makes me think that this must be the most rubbish Transformer. <laughs> it's like this is the Transformer that turned up on Earth and went... What do I model myself on? <laughs> and then a mobility scooter comes. I, I can never understand how those little greenhouse houses they have on top of them as well don't end up steaming up. Because if I yeah. was in one, I'd never be able to see anything because the entire inside would just be condensed. I don't know how they don't get blown over in a strong wind. It's I think they've got heavy con- bottoms. <laughs> what, the people or the mobility <laughs> scooter? <laughs> the things, because they got the batteries in. They're electric. Aren't well, they? they can't walk very cocky. Don't body shame them. The specialist tyres for maximum... <laughs> Downforce. <laughs> you just imagine like with the F1 style wing on the back of they, this. They've one. got like an air, one of those air ramp things at the beginning to, be to help them drag down. I think we're innovating mobility scooters to a point where we should patent these suggestions <laughs> for such an occasion. Should someone want to steal our ideas? And to be honest, though, it's like they must have been pretty full on because they scared the staff out of the hotel. Yes. It's like we're talking about two old age pensioners. Right, we will return to the story. Mrs. Fergus admitted causing fear or alarm at the hotel by threatening guests and staff with violence. The court heard how Mr. Fergus used the scissors to cut communications cables at the hotel reception and was eventually caught drunk behind the wheel of his BMW. So that is a posh mobility scooter if that's one of them. Uh, Why would you cut the communications cables? 
Unless like, you're going to like plan like a proper act of. Unless he's going to take down the local like mobile phone mast. Yes. Someone's going to be able to go right. I think I've I got a call mobile phone here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have a mobile. He's a landline only <laughs> kind of guy. So well, he he's seventy-two. Keep, keeping it old so, yeah, school. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've got to say as well the headline, the subheadline: no clothes on for the next part of this story. That's a headline. That's the headline. <laughs> I am, I'm having to show Keith everything in this because he refuses to believe me every time I tell one of these stories. Fiscal dispute Michael Sweeney said a guest was woken by banging on his door at 1.45am and saw Miss, Mrs. Fergus, who had become abusive, in the hallway. After the guest informed reception, Mr. Fergus appeared with no clothes on and began shouting abuse at the staff and guests in the foyer. Mr. Mr. Sweeney said both accused were acting as if they were out of control. He was observed to have a pair of scissors. I'm sorry, he's got no clothes on. And a pair of scissors. This is worrying. When you say observe to have, if you've got no clothes on and you're running around a hotel, where is he possibly hiding them for them to be not necessarily observed? Well, there's only one place that everybody knows. He either has them or doesn't. I don't fancy the idea of running around in the nudie with a pair of scissors. Right. There is a name in this next section, Keith. Okay, it no. is a real name. It is a real name. Okay. Mrs. Fergus said, I'm going to get a gun and shoot you at staff member Miss Titkova. <laughs> it's the real name. On seeing the scissors, Miss Titkova shouted across at the other staff and the guests to run away. They saw Mr. Fergus pick up a sign and smash a, gas plane, a glass plane in the door with it. It's a real... Look, I'm not making it up. It I'm, is Mrs. I'm trying to visualise this whole event... <laughs> And to be honest, I'd be like, okay, let, let, we'll, we'll stop this now. You could have probably, like, just, you know, taken them down. Although, I don't know if, I don't think I wanted to tackle Mr. the fella in the nudie, though. No, with the scissors. So just I'll in case wa- with his running, he'd worked up quite a sweat. I've been watching a lot of Archer recently, so all I'm doing is imagining, like, Mal- Mallory Archer and Len Trexler running around this hotel. Right, reacted disproportionately. Next section. Mr. Fergus then ran through the foyer saying he would slit and kill them. Nice, nice chap here. Staff and guests ran from the hotel towards the village of Kinloch Rannoch. They're just making these names up to annoy me as well. Solicitor Ewan Cameron for Mr. Fergus said he'd consumed much more alcohol than what was sensible. So this is a regular Saturday night occurrence for most people, I'd assume. Uh, He had retired to bed but was roused by his wife who said she'd been on the receiving end of hostility from the hotel staff. He reacted disproportionately by going to reception to confront them. Solicitor Pauline Curliton for Mrs. Fergus said her client reacted badly to the alcohol she drank because she'd eaten little during the day. Sheriff Gillian Way told Fergus, I don't think I need to tell you all. This is a very sorry state of affairs. I know, have, have no doubt you will regret this for the rest of your life. At his age, he might have a five-year plan and most <laughs> of that plan is don't die. I just thought that was worth sharing with you all because... It's pretty much the most ridiculous thing I've heard in a long time. Two pensioners going on a rampage during a hotel. So this worries me now about the kind of thing that's going on in old age pensioner homes across the country. Because if we're, if we're gathering these people together, you know, somebody brings in a bottle of Thunderbird or, you know, something Some Mad Dog them, 2020. Or some taboo. And it, it could all be kicking off. This is, this is a shocking state of affairs. I think it's all the leftover Advocar from Christmas has to get consumed. They're all on the Prosecco. That's what it is. It's Prosecco's fault. <laughs> Would you see yourself you doing that shocked? in your seven? He's shook, as the kids say these days. <laughs> that is weird news. So yeah. it's in the it's in the correct segment of the of the podcast. Are we creating like pensioner armies by putting them in homes? I don't care if they only live for eight months after they go in. Yeah. On an average, those eight months are a visceral boiling pot of planning for murder and 
cutting off communication well, cables. You think about this, we're, we're, we're corralling them all together in places with high-grade medical equipment. Anybody seen the A-team know when you put people together with equipment of that standard, something monstrous is going to happen. It's, it all sounds to me like it's all going to go a bit Caligula in these uh, old pensioners' homes at some point. <laughs> the age of debauchery. It's going to be like... So when I was thinking, if I had, if and when I end up in a nursing home, I was thinking I'll, they'll have stuff like retro consoles, they'll like have an Xbox 360, something like that. You'll be having LAN parties, a bit of Call of Duty around the TV in the living room. Antiques Roadshow will be a distant memory, and you'll have some Metallica on the stereo. You could have a PlayStation party rather than keys. It's your remote, wireless remote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to that party. Keys in the colostomy bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Take me now. <laughs> but we, the, the weird news gets. And the, that woman's name, that just. Miss Tickover. Yeah, surely. She, I think these kind of things must happen to her all the time with that name. <laughs> just so people can report it. <laughs> I, I imagine that we'll have to look through all of the Scottish newspaper reports and see how much other stuff goes on at that hotel. You can Google Miss Tickover because I don't have that on my phone. I am not Googling. I am certainly not Googling that name. Yeah, my kids use my phone. That's not, it's not being searched for. What's this? No, it's a, it's a legitimate story from a Scottish website. Oh, I'm going to go Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. I haven't started yet. The, you haven't started? No, what? we need to introduce the piece. Okay. Right. Hey. Dinner, 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 favourite Batman. That was right. not good. I'm ripping Kevin Smith off completely here, okay. but we're fat men on Batman. So my proposition to you two gentlemen is favourite Batman, favourite Joker, and who would you put together? I don't know. Uh, um, I, I need a moment to think about the favourites, but I think the most entertaining combination would be Adam West meets Heath Ledger. Can you imagine that that line of conversation that Adam West has? It's not, not it's not the where is she? It's the it's the you fiend. You blew up a hospital. I think they'd get on really well. Yes. I could just imagine it now. It's like what would he have in his utility belt to stop the Joker? Makeup remover? He, makeup he may have some more of those tablets that Inst one of the Olsons threw him to kill him in the first place. <laughs> instant star, instant scar away or something like that. I, I imagine that Adam West would also recognise him dressed up as a nurse as well, yes. unlike Harvey Dent was able to. Right. Yeah, he's give it away. Do we allow Adam West to have his Robin? Yes. Yeah, because no one gets tired of hearing old chum <laughs> yes. in most sentences. <laughs> it's, it's such an underused phrase nowadays. Holy on fire money, Batman. Yes, it is. <laughs> that would be a good mashup, though. Somebody should do that. Somebody should do a cut where they take the the Batman movie with Adam West and put Heath Ledger's Joker into it. Oh yeah, that's YouTube is out there. Like even yeah, the running that. running around with the bomb. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect for the hospital scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He found it. <laughs> yeah, he found the bomb, and that's what blew the hospital up. <laughs> I can't throw it towards the nuns. I can't throw it towards the small children. I took it in the hospital. Or you could do the bit from uh, Dark, Knight, um, Dark Knight Returns, whatever the name of that film was. I've already forgotten the Christian Bale era. Yeah, it was... Batman Begins. Dark Knight. Dark Knight comes back with Tom Hardy. <laughs> but that would work for that scene with the big bomb in the like in the football thing. 
like Marion Killard's death yeah. scene. <laughs> yes. Oh. It's Adam Wee. <laughs> Who is this man? I really would watch that. But if I'm gonna go for my two that I want to see interact, I'm I'm I might steal a bit of Keith Sunder. I've it's got to be Kevin and Mark. It's got to be animated series because they do work so well together. It's already a flawless dynamic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, stealing your thunder, Keith. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd wholeheartedly agree. My favourite Batman and Joker are Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy from the animated series. But if we're putting fancy versions together, I wouldn't mind seeing Michael Keaton come up against an actual sized uh, Zach Garifanathlis. This is sorry, Zach, if I got your name wrong. Uh, Lego Joker. No, but, no. like, at two scale. So, <laughs> like, Michael Keaton's full size and little Lego Joker. That'd be interesting to watch. I'd, I'd watch that. This tight. A miniaturized Joker scheming to get kill a full size Batman. Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting conversation. Would you have Will Ferrell turn up as well? Mm, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think so. But maybe we could have, uh, what's it? Michael. I was going to say Michael Cena. <laughs> Well, that's like that's merging. Michael Cena was Robin, wasn't it? Is, 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 is Sarah, Sarah, like Peter Satira, but not quite. <laughs> um, anybody from the eighties will know who the hell Peter Satira is. So, but yeah, he did the Karate Kid Part Three song as yeah. well. He was, oh, he was cool. Uh, well, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, his little little micro Robin, so he could sit. Yeah. On <laughs> Batman. Big Batman's shoulder, <laughs> that'd be cool. Michael Keaton still my Batman because it was the Batman of my childhood and Batman and Batman Returns are still very solid films to this day I think Return is slightly weaker of the two but oh. I, I do love um, Returns just because yeah. of the whole winter and, and Danny you know, DeVito is the best penguin yeah, by, and, and Catwoman by you know the whole the whole mask thing it's got a Susan yeah. Banshee song in it as well it's like yeah. it's, it's a great great Tim Burton movie but again from my childhood Mark Hamill is my Joker there's nobody who's got a perfected Joker laugh than Mark Hamill. Have you seen his pop culture quest? Yes. The first episode where he's just exploring <laughs> the Joker, it's it's astounding how perfect he is for that. Mm-hmm. Taking nothing away from his acting chops, but yeah. most people always are Luke Skywalker. For me, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Yeah. I, I see him as the Joker first, Luke second. See, this is an interesting thing here. Because what would be nice at some point would be to have, and, I, and, and what they should do is they should do um, kind of like a Batman Beyond yeah. situation where we've got old Bruce, who could still be Michael Keaton. I'd yeah. quite happily have an older Bruce, uh, but an older Joker as well. So we could have Mark Hamill live action as the Joker, because I think that would work, well, Mark Hamill as the Joker for real. Well, it's been the Not, trickster in both versions of The Flash yeah. so far. So it has got DC chops as in live action and the trickster he played in the most recent Flash was pretty much the Joker slightly twisted mm. um, you see I'm, I'm kind of really liking the idea of having a live action Batman Beyond movie yeah. with, with Michael Keaton and Mark Hamill in, I'm not quite sure who I'd cast as Terry McGuinness that would be mm. a, a tricky one to do to get somebody kind of the right age to be, to be that character Mask of the Phantasm with Michael Keaton and Mark Hamill. Now that I could see, that would be an amazing one. That would be. But they've already done. Yeah, you know, I suppose it's that tricky thing. It's like the Mask of the Phantasm, such a good film. 
Yeah. It's kind of like I'd kind of like to keep it without a, a live action version to sully it. I don't uh, know if it Batman was done perfectly. Have you seen the um, the little um, vocal mix up that uh, Mark Hamill did on that talk show where he was no. he was Luke talking to the Joker, oh, no. and it it was the scene where it's that I am your father, yeah. but Darth Vader's lines were the Joker, yeah. and it was. Um, and it's like I'm your dad, kiddo. And it's uh, no, that's not true. It can't be possible. And it's I like, get used to it. And then the laugh and all that kind of stuff. It, it look it up. It's it's astounding. It's like 20 seconds of Mark Hamill just owning all the acting chops. Right for my fantasy pairing, I'm probably going to try and go for the worst combination here. <laughs> so we have George Clooney bat nipple Batman. Oh dearie man. And Jared Leto tattoo Joker. Because I think they would work. Because Suicide Squad, they tried to make him more neon and pretty and stuff like that. He would work in the Batman and Robin environment, I think. And we can have Chris O'Donnell back on our screen because oh. he's doing bugger all else. <laughs> Isn't he doing like uh, NCIS, NCIS or, or, LA or Y5O something. or something? Something like that. But isn't he doing that with like LL Cool J? Yeah. yeah. Yes, when he's not doing lip sync battle. <laughs> there we go. George Clooney as Batman versus Jared Leto's Joker in a lip sync battle. Hosted by LL Cool J. I might wait for the DVD of that one. <laughs> it would be the <laughs> car crash TV, that would be. But anyway, yeah. What props would they use in the lip sync? Because obviously props are now fully brought in. Yes. They've just moved away from Jimmy Fallon's show. Yes. What? What? I mean, what would you want to see Jared Lowe lip syncing? Because he's a musician in his own right and a talented one at that. Firework by Katy Perry. <laughs> As the Joker. <laughs> I would like to see him as Boxer Joker, so topless, yes. shirt, tattoos, with his big kind of coat and his entourage. I was wondering where he was going with that sentence. <laughs> and maybe 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 doing like a almost a, maybe Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. Hmm. Because we know George Clooney does have singing talents with Oh Brother Where Art Thou. So what song yeah. would you pick for George Clooney? See, I'm, I'm, I'd go for something from a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. So I'd like to see uh, like something like a, a Surrey with a fringe on top with, three, with the Joker. and Or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Three Little Maids from School, are we? That, that's that's not Rodgers and Hammerstein. I, I think know that's not Rodgers and Hammerstein. Keith, you brought it full circle. Seven Brides, Seven Brothers had Julie Newmar in it, Catwoman. Yes, yeah. certainly well, good. That works, yeah. I, I reckon they could do like a, a, a stage music. They should just do. Yeah, no, let's not go to the stage musical Batman because that's going to happen at some point. I went after Spider Man. I think people have taken that away and gone. Yeah, that didn't really work as a musical. I, I went to see live action Batman when it was a touring show, and uh, yeah, I lost a couple of hours of my life. I'll never get back there. I expected it to be like one of those displays you see at a theme park where there's a few little fireworks and it's it's kind of fake fighting, like they're not really hitting each other, and then you hear the kind of punch sound over the top. Kapow! Smack! Yeah. It but was, with giant letters like displayed above them. Yeah. In like holograms. They have to hit their mark so that wording lights up as they punch in a particular part of the... Yeah. I, I, I fancy the idea of a geeky brummy team doing their own Swedish version of this. And we have cardboard signs that people run in with when there's punches. 
in the air, like, kapow, spat. That'd be good. I'd do that. We could turn... Well, I've got the belly now for Adam West here about that. <laughs> we, we could turn it into a full musical, like Predator the Musical. Yes. What? Have you not seen Predator the Musical? No, I've not. Why are you shaving? You don't even have a beard. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. I think it needs to be like the Simpsons episode of Planet of the Apes. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but with the Batman version. I am the knight. I like to lurk on rooftops. You could have the Batman version musical being. So he starts singing like, I am the... But then he learns how to sing properly. And at the end of it, he sings like a robin. Yes. <laughs> Be, or it'd be great or a bit like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas yeah have a like a fully little like animated version of this but with just a musical Batman Tip, we could get Tim Burton back for that I, you could totally rework what's this to... what's this what's this it's not... a man who wears white face what's this what's this he stabbed me in my <laughs> <laughs> that would work it's not, what's this there's criminals everywhere what's this what's this the Batmail's over there <laughs> I think uh, we've come across the. You've ruined my childhood. <laughs> we evil need people. we need Tim Burton back to make a nightmare nightmare before Christmas version of Batman. I think that's what we've decided here. Yeah, although I have some some nightmare versions of Batman. You can have Nightmare Before Arkham. Ooh. We've given and these ideas could, out for free, and then you could actually get all the casts of Batman villains who never get to be in the movies. Which which villain do you want to see in a movie that gets no Clayface? He's too good a villain. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. He would work in that Tim Burton kind of style. You could have Calendar Man, yeah, and just have him as a really sad goth who locks in calendars. <laughs> I, I, but we got a little bit of that. The Clock in, King. We got a little bit of that in Lego Batman now. Yes. So yeah, so uh, the Condiment King yes. should be in it because <laughs> then you could have a tie-in. With McDonald's. Yes. So you could have like uh, teriyaki Sashwan sauce, Batman style. And Tim Burton needs some more money because Nightmare Before Christmas has been merchandised to death now. Well, I'm not sure he does need more <laughs> money because of that. Yes. But, but you know, the problem with that would be Helen, Helena bon, Bonham Carter would be Batgirl and Johnny Depp would be Batman. <laughs> Do you not think that there'd be a really weird intrigue to Johnny Depp being Batman? Like, you know he can't fight and you know he's going to just look and be Johnny Depp but you kind of in it's kind of like that horrible thing that you know you're going to hate it but you can't stop looking so I think he'd make a good Ra's al Ghul no see I, he'd make a better Scarecrow Sca- yes definitely really. Scarecrow. although Cillian Murphy did a pretty good job in the, yes. in the, the I felt verse. so sorry for Cillian Murphy in the in that Nolan verse because yeah. he like, he's pretty much a big part of the first film and then gets cameos two cameos for the next two films it's like you could have brought the Scarecrow out to work with Bane or you could have brought him out to work with the Joker. That would have worked much better, I think. I've always wanted to have David Tennant as the Clock King because David Tennant's fantastic, right? But his performance... as Kilgrave, yeah. yeah. That's it now. There's nothing else he can do. No, that performance, and you bring it into the, the time and the order yeah. and the severity of breaking, of being a second late, I think that would be a stunning bad guy. And... And I think Tennant, because of his his sci-fi chops with uh, yeah. Dr. Who, I, I think he would get enough people excited for him to be that bad guy. I think they could still do it. Because, I mean, there's plenty of crossover between universes yeah. at the moment with actors being in well, both J.K. Marvel Simmons and DC. in Marvel and DC at the minute, yeah. isn't he? So. I'd li- yeah, I'd like to see... Yeah, I, d- I do want DC to, to, to put out 
a, a decent selection of kind of their heroes films because I want you know some of the first ca- characters that I kind of got to love were the the Justice League yeah. from from kind of like the first kind of American comic tale of war and I do I do hold a great affinity for those those guys characters and I would like to see a really good version done it just needs to be you know a little I, bit lighter I just want J.K. Simmons back in Spider Man yeah there's, there's no other one for me. There's no other J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, he's brilliant in that, yeah. So it could be Commissioner Gordon and J. Jonah Jameson at the same time. Who would you Catwoman by? Because Anne Hathaway was... Rubbish. Yeah. I mean, she had she looked the bit yeah. because she's I Anne Hathaway. I liked the bit with the goggles. That yeah. was a nice little nod. Uh, um, Maisie Williams might work. She's too she's, she's young still. I don't know. You could have a and she's tiny, but you could. But that works for Catwoman. She's supposed to be a cat burglar. She's supposed to be able to get into small spaces. She's supposed to be able to rob stuff. And I think it would work having a teenage cat. No, that makes a hamster girl then. (laughs) Small and to get into tiny spaces. Catwoman's got to be slinky, and and not 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 saying anything about detrimental about Maisie. She's not slinky. But you haven't seen it yet. But that fight with um, Brienne. That's what makes me think Catwoman. Just don't get wrong. She's she's got she can definitely get herself in a position where she's trained and she can really pull off the fight scenes. Yeah, I th- I think like you said, Catwoman needs to be almost a sexual attraction to the Batman or Bruce Wayne as well. He need they need yeah. to be of a similar age. See, I was thinking putting Catwoman with Robin and creating tension that way. Because that's one thing that always gets me with Bruce, because he's that convicted and he's that much Batman. Robin should be the Catwoman's foil more, I think. Yeah, maybe. I think that'd be a nice interpretation of the character. It's one of those things, though. Well, then you have the whole thing of Batman trying to stop Robin from being like this. When they did the final season with Bruce Tim yeah. and Paul Dini, they had a few episodes where Nightwing was yeah. working in partnership with Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, aside of Bruce's warnings, and by this yeah. point we were on to Tim Drake as Robin. Yeah. And obviously Richard Grayson was at this point Nightwing because mm-hmm. they just bypassed Jason Todd in there. Yeah, but he does need to be bypassed. <laughs> See, I would have always liked to have seen Salma Hayek as Catwoman. Mm, She'd have been yeah. cool. She would have been. You need someone who's slinky and lies. They need to be like, I don't know. Trisha Helfer might have made a good cat one. Problem is, you, you're you going to face a big backlash of whoever you bring in if they haven't already achieved something in, in, a, yeah, yeah, in, in a similar role. Yeah. So, the the same way, I mean, everyone hated Heath Ledger. Heath yeah. Ledger, how's he ever going to. And then if he drops a performance yes. of, of a lifetime. Yeah. So, it's it's you're going to get. You're gonna get grief, whoever you cast, and yeah. it's whether people let that go to appreciate a performance or not. Yeah, I mean, people probably say something like Emma Watson, but no, nah. no, nah. I don't think she has the, the the physical attributes, and I mean that in the the fighting yes. and the action sense. She's obviously stunning, and she can obviously act, but and she's a bit too delicate. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. So thanks for joining us on the Geeky Brimmy podcast this week. Hope we haven't rambled on too long. Pete, can you tell us where we can find you online and your information if people want to follow you and learn more? Uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. Um, I like to 
to retweet and follow all the funny stuff. So anyone who sends me anything good, I'll get it shared. What's your if, Twitter handle? Um, at AngryPenguin666. Or you can find me in Nostalgia and you can come and say hi and share this love with the shop. And we're always happy to have uh, sweets and biscuits and anything brought down if you want to. <laughs> I've got to ask you, why AngryPenguin666? I that was my email address when the internet was invented, and I was I was still at secondary school, mm-hmm. and one of our IT lessons, our school had just got internet, so we're talking about ninety five, ninety six, yeah. And the the teacher said we're going to show everyone how to set themselves up with an email address. It was the premise of that lesson, and then we had to go and write some homework about it. So he said, "You've just got to think." Of what you would like it to be called. It can be your name, it can be your favourite sports, whatever. And I was sat there thinking, I thought, oh, everyone will just probably pick their name. So, what do I think would be funny? Mm-hmm. And I thought the fact that penguins have no face, facial muscles, yeah. so they can't frown, they can't look happy. Imagine if you saw a penguin going absolutely bonkers. He was fuming and he's giving you the fright verbals. And he was, at the time, the, the, the 14-year-old me thought that was incredibly funny. Because all a penguin can pretty much do is narrow its eyes. Yeah. Every night it can just give you a disconcerting look. <laughs> That's an angry-looking penguin. <laughs> yeah. So it started there, and then by that point it became such a joke amongst other people that I was like, you know, you just make fun of yourself, then you just keep it going yeah. and don't worry about the fact that it was never really funny to anyone but you. <laughs> so I had a similar experience when I had my first... Hotmail address many, 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 many moons ago. I think it was just after Hotmail started. Mine was Baron Greenback 99. Mainly because I loved Danger Mouse at that time. And Baron Greenback was a brilliant villain that people forget exists. He's still in the new reboot of the show. Yeah, but he's not Baron Greenback. He's not yet. Is David Jason in the new show? No, no. No. No, it's Alexander Thingy. Yeah, it's Alexander Armstrong. He was in the first reboot, but not in the latest version. It's Alexander Armstrong, and our friend of the show, Mark Silk, appears as Baron Greenback's pet. Nero? Yes. Cool. I didn't realise that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keith, where can we find you online? Uh, I am on Twitter at hardluck underscore hotel, and then pretty much under everywhere else without the underscore. Not the Count Duckler episode. Not the Count Duckler episode. Which is a great episode. It's a good about. episode. Not as good as when he was in Danger Mouse, but... <laughs> His solo career, you know, it was okay. Yeah, he was the Frasier to Daniel Rouse's cheers. Nah. <laughs> nah, that's not, no. Was he the Joey to Daniel Rouse's Oh, friends? yeah, that's better. There we go. That's better. <laughs> right, you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter and usual spots. Uh, my food one, which you can also nominate me for an award at birminghamwalls.co.uk forward slash voting. <coughs> is brummygormon.com. And it's nice not to have Guy here interrupting me during this little bit. It feels weird. It's quite peaceful, isn't it? Yes. See how peaceful he looks. And it, and it does seem cooler as well. Strange. Yes. I think Guy... Guy? Guy. Guy. Guy <laughs> generates a lot of heat. Guy Courtney. I think he's a very hot man. Yes. In, in, the, in the temperature <laughs> scales of things. I think he generates a lot of it's heat. It's because he always wears a buttoned-up shirt. Not a T-shirt like most normal people know it is. But you can find us all online anyway, including Guy and Phil and George and David, Mr. Whitney, of course, uh, at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, usual places. 
Where does Phil usually say Weibo, J Day? A list of things that I just go. I'm not on any of those. I'm far too old. Friends to be reunited. Yeah. MySpace. Bebo or something? Does he say Bebo? Yes. I don't know if Bebo's a thing. Bebo used to be a thing. Is it? Oh, wait, thank goodness for that. Google Plus. Google. Does anybody use Google Plus? No. <laughs> Plenty of fish. Wherever we are, you'll Plenty find us by Googling Geeky Rummy. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Pete. Cheers for having me. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash brumradio.